brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. Also brought to you by Heads Up Guys. Heads Up Guys is a resource providing men with information and practical tips on how to manage and prevent their depression. This is a dedicated online tool devoted to helping men get the help that they need, finding someone to talk to, and navigate difficult times. For more information, please head over to headsupguys.org. And by Beneath, starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. <laughs> All right, let's start this off. Hey, guys, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sharon, as usual. And I have a super gnarly guest, uh, not in studio because Canada sucks right now, but I did actually get him on Zoom. So um, I have Richie Norton with us right now. And hey, uh, welcome. <laughs> you're, so, you're being way too nice to me. I, I'm just I'm just a person. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> no worries. Oh, my God. Thank you for taking the time. You are not just a person. And I'm, I don't care what you say. You're not. You're way cooler <laughs> than that. There are people and then there are people. And it's nothing to do with success. It's to do with mindset. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. Mm. And you come from a very, very strong mindset. Um, well, I got kind. so many. No, no, I'm just Canadian. That's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Canadians are the best. That is, that is a fact. <laughs> See, I think, I think we are, but you know, people just tell me that's all in my head. So we'll go with that. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's get right into this. I, um, I've been a fan for a while. I've actually heard a lot of the things that you have said um, through your Instagram and things like that. Like I said, you're pretty much a serial entrepreneur, but you're also like a serial Instagram story guy where you've got like 900 <laughs> stories going on a regular this basis. True. This is true. But it, you know what? A lot of your words resonate with people in a way that I haven't heard in a long, long time. And when I start getting people sending me your information on a regular basis, and they're just not even trying to send your specific stuff, they just are using your quotes on a regular basis. Mm. That to me stands out. And that means that something's resonating with people. Well, that's cool. And I didn't even know that was happening. So thank you. <laughs> very cool. Very really? Cool. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, people share, you never know when they do, but it, it is meaningful because then, you know, it resonates, you know, so that's cool to hear. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I mean, I actually, um, so I found out about a little bit about you through uh, some friends of mine that have this project called the Bra uh, Bravo Killer Project, and it's a mental health initiative. And uh, mm -hmm. they post every day and they posted this one and it really resonated with me when I came back from an ayahuasca trip. And it mm. had a wolf on it. And the, the quote was to escape fear, you have to go through it, not around. Mm. And to me, my brain exploded when I saw this because <laughs> it was right when I got home. It was like, and, and for whatever reason, if you've ever done anything like ayahuasca, you'll know exactly what I mean. Like you have to go through it. You have to go through the dark yeah. to find the light. Mm. Um, and I really want to just start off by really getting into some serious nitty gritty stuff. Um, yeah, if you're yeah. comfortable. Let's do it. Okay. 
So you've, uh, you've done a lot of podcasts and I've listened to them and everybody asks, you know, a lot about your business and a lot about your family and everything like that. Sure. But they also ask you a lot about your trauma, but here at our podcast at Brass and Unity and in our company, we, we run around mental health and we run around, you know, veterans and people who suffer a lot with mental health issues. Um, you had a lot go on really early on, um, with your family. And I know it's a hard topic, but I think it's important to explain to our guests what you went through. And the reason being is because if you, my dear, are able to go through that and come out on the other end, the way that you have intact with a family that you have, I feel like that's, that holds a lot of value. So if you're comfortable, I would love for you to explain what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll share some of my background and, and um, I'm, I'm going to kind of like fast forward to the end too. Like yeah. nobody's experience is, is the same, um, but I do believe you can assign meaning to what happened, even if there might not be any meaning or you're searching for meaning. You know, and I think by assigning it, you can actually turn those tragedies into transformations, you know, so, you know, whatever happened to me, there's no comparison, you know, whatever happened to you and to others, it's, it's their own. But at the end, end of the day, like, pain is pain. It's like gas, like even the smallest little bit fills the whole room, you know, and uh, so all, all of that hurt, whether you're in the darkest pieces of it, or you're on the other side of it, or it comes and goes like a roller coaster. I, I think there there are ways to um, I don't know become a better person because of it for better mm-hmm. or for worse <laughs> right right <laughs> you know um, but what you're referring to is like so my my wife and I you know we my we're living in Hawaii we still live here but my brother-in-law lived on and off with us for like five years. And uh, one day, uh, I'll just spare you all the details, but one day he just Mm -hmm. doesn't wake up. He passes away in his sleep. And when this happened, as you can imagine, it's, we weren't planning on it. There wasn't like something we were expecting. He wasn't in the hospital, like none of these things that you would imagine. And when some, he he died at the age of 21, when when that happens, you start thinking differently about life, you know, because we grow up, at least in maybe in North America, we, we grew up thinking we're going to grow to be like, I don't know, 65 years old, and then we're going to retire, and then we're going to do what yeah. we really want to do, because that's the way, you know, corporations have taught us to behave, yeah. and when that happened, I just realized, wow, life really is short, and that's just not, that's not some cliche, like, it's legit, and life being short is one thing, but changing the way you think about life and the way you're going to like act around the idea that you might not have as, as much time as you would hope really can change the way you think about everything. So a few years later, my, uh, we, we have four boys and our, our youngest, we named him Gavin after my brother-in-law, Gavin, who had passed away. And, you know, a, a couple of months into his, to his life, he ended up having this cough and the doctor said he was fine and we kept bringing him back to the hospitals and doctors and they're like, he's fine just a baby he has a cough it's no big deal you know they thought maybe it was rsv at one point and so to watch for that one night it got pretty bad so my wife and i took him to the er and they kept you know us there for some time which was unusual and after a while for of being there they finally tested i don't know why they didn't do it earlier but they finally tested for something called pertussis also known as whooping cough. And when this happened, and they realized that that's, that's what he had, it was just too much on his little body. So here we have all the trauma from 
my wife's brother passing away. And then, and now here's our son who they're telling us is probably going to pass away. And we're doing everything we can, you know, praying, asking for help, asking anyone to send positive vibes, you know, to help our son live. And I remember a nurse came in one night and said, you guys need to stay the night. And it was a weird thing to say, because we were always there, you know, 24 seven, it wasn't like that was a thing, but it was a cue. And she was kind of saying, he's not going to make it. And I remember when this happened, this is your worst nightmare as a parent. And I, I remember they took out all the little wires and all the tubes and he didn't even look like himself because he's just puffed up with all these medicines to keep him alive and I remember holding him in the hospital and then handing him to my wife and putting my hand on his heart as we sang him lullabies and just waited for those last beats and you know when he passed away it was as you can imagine like the worst experience ever to have someone die in your arms especially your own child who you're supposed to be like the protector, you know, and and the provider. And I remember when we left the hospital, as my wife talked about it with me and looking back, she, she talked about how weird it is to leave a hospital empty handed, but also how weird it was to be holding this child that's lifeless and not knowing what to do next. And it's like real like angel of a nurse came in a different one and, and, and said, you know, can I hold him? And uh, gave my wife permission to, you know, hand him Let to go. her. Yeah. yeah. And, and we were able to walk out. Now, both these uh, wonderful people in our family, Gavin and Gavin, they're both buried here in Hawaii, one on top of the other. We visit them, them often. Um, and someone asked me, what did you learn from this experience? And my wife was there too. And my wife's like, I don't know, ask me in a year. And I'm like, yeah. what did I learn, you know, from my brother-in-law passing away, from my son passing away? And I didn't know what to say. And I, I thought about it for a while. And I came up with, which, which I talk about in my, in my book, but I, ca- I call it Gavin's Law after them. And it's live to start, start to live. Because if you live to start those ideas that are pressing on your mind, you really will start living. And then you add to it that you don't know how much time you have. And it puts this sense of real urgency, not a false sense of urgency, but a real urgency around the things that are most important to you, which to me, obviously now, and always, of course, are like family, loved ones. And a lot of people do all kinds of projects, but they're so busy doing them. And maybe they even think they're doing it for a greater cause or for their family and for the ability to have more time. But in reality, they're doing at the sacrifice of all those things. Someone will start yep. to a business and be an entrepreneur to get their life back, only to lose their life in the business. So it made me think differently. I'll fast forward a couple other things. Like we had some, you know, foster kids, three, love them so much. Uh, one-year-old twin, seven-year-old girl, and we had them for a couple of years. We were going to adopt them. Um, Bio mom got them back, which is a whole other story. Happy yeah. for them, super sad for us. But after this happened, we were like, let's go on a trip and let's just huddle up our little family together. Because now we've had these two deaths. Losing people who are still alive is an extremely hard thing because you don't know how they are. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a finality you can't to death. be there. Yeah. And on my way to the airport, whether it's related to this or stress related or not, it might not have been related at all. But my wife all of a sudden can't speak she can't remember she had a stroke 
a mini stroke. She lost her memory. She couldn't remember who we are. She couldn't remember anything. And uh, prior to the hospital, after a little bit, you know, a day or two, whatever, she she comes back. And we're like, all of a sudden, I'm realizing, oh, my gosh, not only can people die, but people you love most in the world can lose their memory. You know, there's all these health issues. And I remember we were going to get on the airplane, and, and it was just going to be her first and us later. And uh, I said, let's not even go. Let's just hang out. She's like, I'm not just going to lay in my bed, even though there's nothing wrong with that. We're totally fine with knowing where you're at and just staying there. But she's like, she knew herself well enough to be like, I have to keep going. Otherwise, I'm never going to get back up. She gets on this airplane all by herself. (laughs) And I'm like, you're so brave. And I I give her a little note and says, like, if I forget my name, (laughs) call call this number. (laughs) (laughs) Call the phone number on the thing. And then I realized that she's going to forget to give somebody the note, you know, <laughs> so bad. You should have just put it around her neck with one of those. I know. Like, she, exactly. If I forget who I am, please call this phone number. Exactly. So she ends up in New York. Her friend meets her there. We meet later, you know, all these things. We ended up on the road for like six months driving around uh, New York, San Diego, Mexico, all up to Canada, uh, through your town, you know, back to Hawaii, et cetera. While we're in Hawaii, my son's crossing the road and gets hit by a car. And not like a slow car, like a speeding car that didn't even see him. And he should be dead. But he makes it through it. And I say all these things. At some point, you're like, does the universe hate me? Does God hate me? Like, are all these things happening? And then I realized, you know what? These things aren't necessarily attached to each other. They just happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether, it, whether, whether it's like God or the universe, I don't know. But I'm going to trust that these things are happening, and I can't and I can't control what happened, but I can control what I do now. And in doing that, I'm able to not blame the universe or God. Mm-hmm. I'm able to still have that faith and trust in the world and, and good people and good things that can happen, but also bring home the power of myself that I can have the, the ability to be able to still live a, a life of intention and thoughtfulness. So you put all that together. And it's a, it's a short story to a, a lot of things that happened over a few, you know, a few mm-hmm. years, but that brings us to where we are now and to why I think the way I think, why I do what I do and, and how I show up. It's, it's really, it's really wild to me how you're able to move on, um, in such a healthy, positive way. And the reason I say that is because the death of a child, um, I had a similar situation. I wasn't fortunate enough to get to meet my tiny human, but there was that. And when I, I won't lie to you, when we were scheduling this and I was doing a quick research on some of the things, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I was just crying like the past half an hour. I'm so sorry. Because no, no, it is. But it's what I found um, so special about you and the way your family handled it is you handled it as a team you handled it with one another you didn't take it you didn't break your family it didn't break you two and what it looks like from an outsider's perspective is i don't know how your wife is as strong as she is or what she does every single day to get her up out of bed and moving forward every single day but my god my god (laughs) you two were able to take that loss and turn it into a strengthening bond for your love and for your light and for what you put out into this universe. And I think that that is not acknowledged enough when somebody loses somebody. I think you guys took the tools 
and you looked at it and you flipped it on its head and said, this could break us. This could ruin us. This could, this could destroy your entire family. But instead you looked at it from a different perspective. And, and when you come in and you say, you know, I lost my, my brother-in-law and then I lost my son and then I almost lost my other son. And then my wife, you're very right. People could look at these things and say, this is a string of events. The world hates me. Everything's against me. And then very often you see that spiral the divorce, the child, and you see the ramifications of that. But instead of doing that, you were able to take that for what it was and not for what it had to be. You didn't, you didn't yeah. follow the guidelines of what everybody told you it needed to be. Yeah, no, you, you're exactly right. That's exactly what we did. It's also, you always want to caution because I know people have other experiences, you know, and it's of so course, hard and course. it doesn't turn out this way for them. And and we're still in the middle of it. It's not like it ends. Uh, people no. say, you know, move on. And I'm like, you can't move on. This is part of you. So you move forward, you become forward. better because of it. But when our son was passing away in the hospital, we literally looked at each other like over his hospital bed on either side of him holding hands. And we, we literally, I, told, I can still remember, I, we were just like, this could tear us apart. Easily. Many marriages, you know, end because of these types of things. But we're going to, for him, we're going to let mm -hmm. this help, you know, make us stronger and not pull apart. And I'm not going to pretend like it's easy or like something we just, all of a sudden we thought it and it happened. But we'll, no. I'll tell you what does happen is regardless of that intent, that thoughtfulness uh, of that hope, because we said it out loud and we committed it to each other in that way, when stuff happens, what's going to happen regardless, it lets us then think, hold on, let's step, step back, you know, like that stimulus mm -hmm. and response kind of thing. Let us step yep. back and let's just take a break <laughs> and revisit this. It gives us a second yeah. chance um, to be able to talk through the hard parts and not just, you know, slowly spiral downward. It's like slowly spiraling upward but forward, it's also like upward. this roller coaster ride where it's all over the place but at the end of the day it's all hard and that doesn't mean you have to just quit and it also doesn't mean that laying in your bed for months at a time is a bad thing either <laughs> you no, can do grief. that as we have done <laughs> yeah and that, that that's the thing is like you have this outward looking you have this outward looking um facing you know whatever you want to call it instagram social media platform whatever sure. it is and you have this air about you um i don't know that you've ever posted a photo where you're not smiling and i don't see that <laughs> as a Hey, life is great. Life is perfect. This yeah. is, hey, this is me waking up every single day, trying to do my best and put my best out there so yeah. that when people are struggling, you are giving them that little bit of hope, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I, I appreciate that. And you know, what's funny is when, when you go through trauma, as it sounds like everybody listening to this has, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes when you're feeling good, you punish yourself for feeling good. Because right? <laughs> how can I right? feel good right now when something bad happened to my friend, you know, or my family or in the world? Yeah. And then when you're feeling bad, you feel bad for feeling bad because maybe you act out and then you punish yourself for not being the optimal human that you know you should be for others, <laughs> even though you're Perfect. in a cloud, you know what I mean, of, of fuzziness and you don't know what's what's happening. 
um they call what do they call that the fog of war like this is a real thing you know like, it's a real <laughs> real thing trust real, me it's a real it's a, thing <laughs> it's a real real thing out there as i imagine that you're when you were talking to veterans and it's a real real thing when you're back and it's maybe just in your head it's still a real real thing you know but i i think where possible if you can be that third person or that even that fourth person looking back on yourself and going yeah. hold on this isn't the world crumbling you know what i mean this mm -hmm. is just a moment mm -hmm. uh, no one's perfect at it but i think listening to people say it out loud helps you tr have a better chance of remembering that in the moment well that's for sure and i know for me i mean i'm a vet like I, that's i am a vet i am one of those one of those people and i am i am was medically released i was injured in afghanistan i do know wow. what that looks like and i did spend wow. 10 years and i say up to 10 years because of what i went through in january and getting the honor to go do what i did it changed my life and it changed yes. it and it flipped it back on its head and i used that to move forward even though it's such a short period of time i spent 10 years in the dark living in the dark, breathing wow. in the dark and, and never sleeping and suicide and just the whole, and my, I, my husband went through it with me and my son went through it with me. And, totally. and now I was finally to pull out of it months, not even months ago. And now I'm riding that, whatever they want to call that afterward wave or those downloads or whatever, yeah, but I'm man. using that to move forward and it's working. And there's something to be said for continuous self-talk in a positive way. And, oh, and that's like what that. I find you well, yeah, because yeah. what I find with you that's really, really fascinating to me is you have these incredible sayings that people post and all these amazing things. <laughs> but one thing that I like about you is, is that you're not saying it to somebody else. It's like mm. I can hear you saying those things to yourself. Definitely. 100%. I'm, I'm always talking to myself. <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and, then, and then I write it down and I try to say it in a way that people can remember it, you know, but right? uh, as a as a writer, that's what you try to do. Um, but but a hundred percent, that's not for the world. It's for myself and the world. <laughs> it's for yourself first to get you through to the rest of the world. Like yeah, I can respect yeah. it. I can respect it. And I think yeah. that's why I, um, you know, people not only find you uh, so inspirational and fascinating, but also you've got this other uh, aspect to you. You, you know, you've got these incredible, these incredible children, you've got this incredible wife, you've got, you know, two very, very successful books, you've got, you know, the, the power of starting something stupid. And first off, I just want to say that title is like the definition of my life. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, you know, and then the resumes are dead and what to do about it. And, and with within that first title, I mean, the power of starting something stupid, was it I want to ask you, was it somebody that told you that your your ideas were stupid, and then that just came to you? Like, why? Why is calling? why explaining it that way okay okay so I'll, I'll explain the title and how i came up with it and yes of course people always tell me i'm stupid um but <laughs> but, but that wasn't the title initially I, I, I did a ton of research on what made people successful and i interviewed people myself who were like in retirement or approaching retirement where i was just curious got it and people would say something like i waited my whole life to like do this thing, but I thought I would need more time, more education, more money. Now that I'm here, mm -hmm. I realize I still need more time, more education, but, more money. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, things didn't pan out the way they thought, or times have changed. Like, and so then I realized, uh, like, you just got to do what the six quote unquote successful people, whatever that might mean to you, they started with what they had where they were right then, even if it wasn't having all this stuff. So when we look at successful, we go, oh, they're successful because they did all these things and they have all this stuff. And it's like, well, 
let's just pretend that 99% of them actually started with nothing and they pulled yep. themselves up and then they had it. And then yes, of course, things, you know, there's this crescendo, right? Like things grow. So anyways, so I realized that successful people start things. And so it was going to be called the power of start. And I have an acronym mm. for it, which is S-T-A-R-T, serve, think, ask, receive, and trust. And I saw that as like this kind of formula people use, whether they realize it or not. But mm -hmm. as I researched more about people's ideas that became successful, everything from, I call it like the, the three T's of stupidity. So like everything from the telephone to the Model T <laughs> to Twitter. Um, <laughs> to Twitter, they, yes. They were all stupid. And not just like we think they're stupid. Back then they were told that's a dumb idea. You yeah. shouldn't do that. Like Alexander Graham Bell's father-in-law supposedly said, that thing's only going to be a toy. That's a toy. And, yeah. you know, you want to prove your father-in-law wrong. <laughs> so That's he, what he, I did. <laughs> you did, right? <laughs> and uh, the Model T, they, they said that Ford was crazy. And he would say crazy like a fox. Twitter, like, and, and BizStone and all these guys, they're like engineers. We want to make this thing where you can just say a couple words. And they're like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Like, these are, the, as I started seeing that, and these are famous examples. There's other examples that are less famous. But as I started seeing that, I, I realized, oh my gosh, it's not just the power of starting something. It's the power of starting something stupid. The stupid, the stupidest, the stupidest ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that could work too. <laughs> right? That could work as well. <laughs> but the stupidest ideas became the smartest ideas. Every time it feels like too. And so it wasn't inherently stupid mm -hmm. or dumb. It was that it was bad timing. You shouldn't do it. You don't have the time, education, experience, or money, or it's never been done before. So why? Or when you tell someone who is, I don't know, with you, and they're going to be impacted by the crazy thing you do, they're going to try and protect you. So they may Correct. impose ideas that aren't necessarily the best, but are trying to protect. So all those things we touch on in the book. But at the end of the idea, for for the end of the day, for the book, the idea was start something stupid because stupid is the new smart. If it were already smart, quote unquote smart, it would have already been done. Be created. So yes. that's why creative things must be stupid things until people are like, oh, that's – so it moves from stupid to like, you know, standard. People start copying it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it becomes smart. And then it's like this, you know, boy band loop where now it's not cool anymore. And we got to do something else, you know, <laughs> yeah. bringing it back to the nineties, bringing back the boy band references to the nineties. Oh my God. Boy band references. Uh, I have a guy, I, I know a guy that's actually was the lead singer of, uh, of a boy band and I tease him to the, to the amazing. nth degree. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help. I can't help it because I'm like, if you were in a boy band, it's like you, it's, it's, it's like tantamount to sending like a nude picture back when like iPhones, <laughs> back to like when iPhones had the cameras for the first time, you're like, nobody's ever going to see this. And then yeah. you hear, you know, one direction infection, just killing the world. It's like boy bands, boy bands are, but, but truly though, that you, there is something to be said for people who are willing to try something stupid. And I think that often is what is the most successful projects. It's there. They don't have to be this clear cut way to to making something yeah. successful there doesn't have to be a rhyme or a reason if you feel yeah. like that could be the right direction yeah. there, what's it going to hurt not to try it, exactly and let's let's put these two things we've been talking about together like when you're feeling when you're in trauma when you're feeling this this when you're inside that negative cloud there's mm -hmm. inherently stupid things like hurting yourself 
obviously. Of course. Then there's things that are actually smart, but they feel stupid because of the way you feel. Yes. So you have to obviously separate those. But when you can, and you can, <laughs> that's when you can go, oh my gosh, this may be my way, quote unquote, out or out. through, like we were talking about going ah, through the fear, right? There it is. And, and a lot of times it revolves around a project. So you go, I have this idea. And then you go, well, it's going to take me a million dollars. And I say, no, it won't. What's the first thing you have to do? I don't know. Talk to someone, send an email, state it, mm-hmm. set a deadline for the first. That's the thing you got to do. And so you start yep. down that path and one thing leads to another. There's actually a word for it. They call it processional effects, like a, like a procession, mm-hmm. like a parade. So you start one thing. And it turns into another when I like the word projects, if, if you turn an idea into a project, it has a beginning and an end, which means it can fail. and You're not a failure. Now, not that you weren't Ooh. a failure anyways, you like, like you're always going to be successful. But what I'm trying to say is you don't see it as a failure. You see it as an experiment that's going to lead you to mm-hmm. the next thing. So this is important because that way you don't feel like this new business or idea that I'm going to do is going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like you the end all be all if it doesn't work yeah, out. This stops people. But so if you can just test it out and experiment, if it works, move forward. If it doesn't move on or pivot, this is a very, it's the path of least resistance, but no one knows that's a path you can take. So now you know. Fair enough. <laughs> so now, you know, now do it. No, but, but truly, but when you, when I like when you, when you kind of brought up pivot there, that, that brings me to kind of one of my other things I was going to ask you is so this would have been an interesting process to watch you kind of develop and work with people throughout COVID. Sure. Because all of last year, people were either fail or pivot. That was your only option. It felt like. Good point. That's a good point. And you know, I, I was around and I was working with tons of people as a coach to individuals and entrepreneurs or as a consultant to companies or even running my own businesses. And it was all based on pivots. And this might bring it again full circle then now that we're pairing these two ideas and then talking about projects but i set up my projects around my ultimate goals let me explain what i mean okay. so someone after i wrote the book the power of starting something stupid people would come to me and they tell me their their stupid idea and i go that's really cool and it wasn't hard to help them actually do it or even make money at it what was interesting is if they did it and they were successful at it they still didn't have what they really wanted. And what I mean uh, is they, would, they, they wouldn't say out loud. I mean, of course, I had to prompt them and get them there. But initially, they don't say out loud, I want freedom of time and location. We'll just pretend as an example. Mm-hmm. They originally say, I don't know, I want to make chopsticks and sell them. And so to move from, <laughs> in their mind, <laughs> they think that some weird idea they have to do is going to get them that, but they don't communicate it. Fair enough. This is important because if I or you or someone can help them or they do it on their own, whatever that looks like, if they can be successful at the thing and make tons of money, they then cement systems around mm-hmm. the operations that never allow them to then let it go mm-hmm. and have that freedom of time and location. They actually have less time and less mobility. So I fast forward all the way to the end in my conversations with people and I go, that's cool. It's going to work out. It's going to be amazing. Then what? Oh, well, right. then I want to be able to spend, you know, a month or two in Italy whenever I want, you know, in the summers with my family, which is actually a weird and common thing people tell me. Okay. By the way. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I've said it. I've straight up said it. I want to be able yeah. to go wherever, yeah. I, wherever I want. I yeah. hear you. 
And so then I say, okay, well, why don't you just, this, this is where you're breaking people's brains. And I'm like, well, why don't you just go do that right now? Well, I can't do that. Go, well, what if you, what if you did? And what if we built the business to support you yes. as opposed to leading towards it? Oh. So my businesses actually create more time and freedom for me. They don't take it away or lead towards more freedom and time. Yes. This is, an, this is an actual opposite way of thinking. And it's the opposite of everything anyone's ever learned in goal setting since they were in kindergarten. I was just going to say, nobody's teaching you this. This isn't like an ideal way. Because kindergarten says you're going to go to school for till, you know, what, 12, 13 years. Then you're going to go to college and maybe even more, you know, higher yeah. education. Then you're finally going to live. And then finally you learn, nope, now I'm actually in debt. And now I have to work for the man until I'm retired. Then I'm going to live. And you're like, nope, you're dead. You had, and you had mm -hmm. terrible experiences during your life. And your spouse is, is gone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for yep. me, when I help someone set up their life based on their, in psychology, there's a word for it. I think Aristotle talks about it too, but it's called final cause. So when mm -hmm. someone sets up their life around final cause, even if the project they were doing doesn't work, they're actually living their ultimate life dream now, which means it wasn't a failure. You just keep finding ways to keep propping it up. Mm. This is impossible if you think goal setting is putting a flag on top of a mountain and then seeing another peak and going for the next mountain. You can't think that way. You think of it like a, a, a castle in a moat. I live in the castle and I'm going to create strategic and economic moats around it to protect my lifestyle. You're breaking my brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're breaking my brain. Because like you're, you're talking about stuff that like my husband is an inventor and owns two companies. I cool. have this and a company. And so, yeah. and we both started them from nothing. And I say that to him on a regular basis. We will be in Vancouver, which is beautiful weather. I don't want to hear about it when I say yeah. this, everybody. It's a beautiful weather. It's a beautiful place to live. I love it here. Yada, yada. I don't want to fucking live here my whole life. I want to live in Hawaii. Nobody there wants to live here. I want to live where there's waves. And I want to live where I can be with my family without a time limit. Period. That's right. That's right. So, 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 so that, that's your dream. And that means you can do it. But even before this conversation, I'm not, not, I'm not speaking to you specifically, but just like to anyone in the world. Yeah. In general, that could never have been a possibility because it was never a thought. Right. And because we've been trained since we were Again, kindergarten. Do you guys call it kindergarten in Canada? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got preschool. We got all preschool, right. then we got kindergarten. I got you. Right. I got you. All right, all right. But they test us. I, I learned this actually talking to this guy named Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. He's a gen genius like coach. He basically invented the coaching industry for executives, legitimately. And he's like, look, we're from the day we go to school, we're tested to show how smart we are. How smart are you? How smart are you? Mm -hmm. How smart are you? And we, and we see this as a progression. And so we as entrepreneurs, we feel like we have to be achievers and we have to show how smart we are, how good we are, how successful we are. But we forget that we're actually not doing it like just to do it. That's what mm -hmm. corporations want us to do. They want us to do it just to do it for the bottom line, legitimately going all the way back to the Industrial Revolution where this all began. Mm -hmm. But when you're in 2021 and, and, the, and the world has completely changed, this isn't about the corporation anymore. This is about you specifically as a freelancer, as an entrepreneur, 
you could be an, you could be at a corporation with a side gig. You don't even need a side gig. You can now work from home for a corporation. So exactly. Nothing actually makes sense anymore, but we're still using 19th and 20th century management styles. Now, it doesn't make any sense. So yeah. I'm hoping to try and teach people there's a new way to do this and welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> right? And I couldn't have thought this way without having these traumatic events. Well, that's what I wonder, right? Because that's why I brought it up so, you know, so immediately. It's not that I'm trying to like poke at your scars and pick at no, you no. Know, your deep wounds. Yep. I think there's something to be said for if you're not going to get that chance to go through a little bit of hell, how are you expected to do anything successful afterward in your life? You've never, if you've never struggled, you've never, you've never had to pick yourself up out of the dirt. I think there is serious, serious value in people going through hell. I really, truly do. Whether we realize it in the moment, in the time, or we're able to pull ourselves out of it, there is in, like insane amounts of value. It's true. And, you know, I don't mean to be dark, but my, even my mom knows this and my wife uh, to their to their chagrin, like they don't like this. But I I wake up knowing that I it's totally possible I could die today. Yeah. And and so I'm always saying I love you to everybody and I'm always doing the best I can. I'm not I'm not running around Disneyland every day. You know, there's not like some huge uh, event happening every day. It's still normal life. Uh, yeah. But if you ever, if you actually ever meet someone who's who's going to die. Maybe they plan some big event if they can, you know, whatever, like this is my last hurrah. Uh -huh. But, but, but for most people, it's just normal everyday stuff. And they're just really saying sorry and really saying thank you and really saying I love you and making sure the people around them know it. So my life may look different than, than yours and others, but regardless of how busy or not busy you are, if you were to think legitimately, not the cliche, like this is my last day kind of thing. But if you're legitimately thinking like this might be my last interaction with someone, which is a terrible way to think, but also a great way to think, you will show up differently. Well, you know, and I don't know that, see, I, I might disagree with you on that. I don't know that it's a terrible way to think because I think that way. And I've always thought that way. When you're put in a position where you've had somebody pass in your arms or you've mm. seen somebody that you're having a conversation with over, mm. a, over a mic and then you look at them again and they're no longer standing there, <sighs> that 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 hits you differently and and so um my husband teases me all the time or he did at least when we first started dating because when somebody says i love you 96 times a day that can be cumbersome on somebody and i can respect <laughs> it but but i mean it if i say i, I love you i mean it and i mean it in yeah. a way that is irritating but i would rather you be irritated and never for a single que a second question the meaning of what i felt for you how i felt about you and and what i'm trying to do when i have my interactions with you we all have bad days. It's how that's you right. choose to handle your bad days. That's right. Yeah. And you don't let a bad day turn to a bad week or a bad month or a bad life, you know, and you know, is, is there any, cause the stuff that I share, I'm sure the stuff that you share it, and, and stuff my wife shares, it opens us up to having all kinds of people that we don't know otherwise reaching mm -hmm. out and telling us their stories, which they're pouring out to us, which mm -hmm. opens their own wounds and you know, it becomes this never ending cycle of, but you also feel responsibility to like help and share and talk, right? But now, you know, and it's so, so whatever, whatever it's all these things. But at the end of the day, like what else are we supposed to do as humans with be, yeah. <laughs> aside from helping each other out where we can, you need Why boundaries. Are we, here? we can need boundaries. I get it. So you can set those up and you can obviously have to be careful, but like, what more could I do? You know what I mean? To help yeah. others than to at least listen and as a stranger to most of these people, they've maybe never had anybody actually listen to them before. Um, even if it's someone super close to them, which is fine, 
we all just need someone to be, there's actually a word for it, an empathic witness. And um, trauma comes from not having an empathic witness. You know what I mean? Someone to talk to, mm-hmm. whether it's in your home or not. And I'm not talking about having some inappropriate emotional bonding with somebody. I'm just talking about like, you know, having letting a conversation. and having someone be like, I hear you. This is helpful. <laughs> this is very you helpful. You know what's wild is I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I've said this on many a podcast and, I, and when I've been on guests or on my own. And the one thing that I tell people, it's like, they're like, you just kind of have that face that I feel like I can trust. I was like, well, don't fucking trust me. But all I'm asking of you is when I'm standing in the grocery line, yeah. do I say, tell me your life story? Because if I do, then then go for it. Because I must have that. Because <laughs> I will be literally standing there and they'll be like, how's your day going? I'm like, it's going great. Yours? And they're like, well, and I'm like, oh, I opened the can of worms and I don't even know you, but I'm going to stand there and I'm going to take it because obviously that person doesn't have somebody to hear them. And that, yeah. and that holds a lot of weight. It's a privilege. It's an honor. You have to be careful, but no one, what I'm trying to say is it's not like any, this isn't an exclusive thing to, we are all in this boat. You know what I mean? We can all listen. We can all talk. And at the end of the day, but when it comes back to you personally, if it's starting to feel toxic, starting to feel heavy, if it's too much on Mm -hmm. you, obviously don't go there, find out a way to be able to, you know, channel it (laughs) and and redirect and know where to go. So that's on you. But at the end of the day, like, if your health and your mental health isn't in a space where you can be at your at your optimal, which it almost never is, you got to find ways to wake up in the morning and get the water you need and the iron you need and the fat for your brain that you need yeah. and the protein you need so that even with the other things that are happening in your life, you're not making it harder on yourself. You know, find the easiest way to create an environment where you're, you can be successful. Well, that's it. And it's people knowing when to you know, to put those boundaries up and being comfortable with that. And a lot of people often I find when it comes to that, they want to, they just want to keep giving and giving and giving. And even before for me, I, I gave the, the, the cup away. I had no cup to fill it. Like the cup yeah. was gone. And so I understand that. Um, I do want to switch a little bit here because I think there is, I think there's so much more that you bring besides just your incredible ability to overcome things and find the positive in those. And that has an incredible amount of meaning to me personally, but I do know that you have a company that I do want to talk about because I think I've gone from being told in the military that I would never, ever work again and never have a career at the age of 19. And then to find people like you who start companies like product product, Uh how do you want to pronounce it? And the way that you are able to help, people who would have been me in that situation when they're going, how do I, what do I tell me about this amazing company, please. <laughs> okay. Well, and uh, you're right. No one knows how to pronounce it. Cause it sounds like it's some weird foreign word when I, I say it, but we pronounce it product. And the idea is like products you're proud of. Okay. So like right? proud and product. <laughs> I, I get it. I jive with it. I get it. You get it. All right. All right. So I'll say product and they'll go, you mean product? And they go, are you Canadian? I'm like, no, no, this is no. <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> what a dick. Listen, I thought Richie Norton was the nicest guy and that he was cutting me down for my nationality. I uh, just say, oh. no, no, honestly, you're right. Canadians are the nicest people on the planet. And I've been there several times and they, you've never failed me. <laughs> oh, good. That's all oh, I'm good. so glad to hear. My it's people so, haven't failed it's us. It's so true. But anyways, so product. So what happened is that, again, when I wrote the book, people started reaching out, and not only were we talking out their lifestyle and all that kind of junk, but I realized, say I have a background in making things, 
and like my first business was a cashmere company in Mongolia. It was a social entrepreneurial thing. I know it sounds. Oh, weird, I saw. But, I know all about you know, that. <laughs> trying to help people, you know, work their way out of poverty and create jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Anyways, so I thought, man, people are having so much struggles to make physical products because everyone's talking digital products, which, which is fine, but <sighs> these digital creators need physical products. Physical products need, you know, digital assets. All this stuff can go together. So I'm like to prototype and manufacture and package and ship and warehouse and fulfill is a freaking nightmare. <laughs> like, like, oh, like, it's like, horrible. like, it's, it's horrible. Imp- it's like impossible unless you yeah. know what you're doing or you're willing to go through the pains of doing it and the cost of doing it. And since I know how, and I have uh, business partners that know how, and a business partner that speaks Chinese and we work all over the world, uh, not just China. But at any rate, I was like, what if I just did everything on the back, you know, back end for an entrepreneur? So all they had to do was sell. So if like there's a hundred things to do and the hundredth is promote and sell the thing, what if I could do everything else? And I thought, what if I could put people on par, small entrepreneurs on par with like big corporations? So like a David and Goliath kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we did. So when people reach out saying they want to invent a product or it's something that's already invented and something simple, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, we're able to come in and make it, package it, ship it, warehouse it, fulfill it, whatever they want in a way that they can focus on what they do best, the branding, the selling, and whatever else. And it has launched so many businesses, so many that are already in business that we're now just taking away all that work from them. You know, it's so mm-hmm. so hard to do. And at the end of the day, because I do a lot of different things, but people are like, how do you do all this stuff and why? And I'm thinking, to me, it actually makes sense. All I'm trying to do is give people their time back because that's what I'm all about. God damn I lost the time with my family, <laughs> you know, that's all oh. I'm trying to do. But that's the value in that. Like if, if you don't, if people who are listening don't have businesses and they work for people and they, you know, they, they do the nine to five and they're happy in that. I, 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 I always, I always reiterate if that's what makes you happy and you're happy living that life, then live that life and be proud of that life. But if you're not, I, I take serious issue when someone's like, you know, I'm not happy doing this. I hate doing this. I never get time with my family. I never do this. Then change it. Then change your mindset. Change what you want to do. Is that truly what you want to put your time into? It doesn't have to be that you have to go out and source these factories on your own and do all of these things. Because to be completely frank with you, I could not have done anything. My husband had factories. My husband had companies. I would have been in the same boat that anybody coming to you would have been saying, I don't know how to do this. I've got this, but where do I go from here? How do I make this tick? And I, and I respect that, but I think there's value in, in understanding that giving time to families. Yes. is so undervalued in North America. So (laughs) undervalued. It is. And it's like, you hear about time management and you hear about checklists and you hear about all the things. And I'm like, has any of that actually gotten anybody back their time? Because uh, I think no. it just makes everybody busier. And, and literally going back to like the history of time management, that was legitimately set up not to give human beings their time back. It was to squeeze human beings as much as possible so they can get more like usage out of this or person out of them. inside of the business. It, w- it was mm-hmm. the opposite of time creation. It's time squeezation. <laughs> I don't even time know. Time squeezation. <laughs> It'll be people apply it the wrong way and then wonder why it's not working. Anyways, I, I, my philosophy around, I actually call it time tipping. So how you can do things that actually give you more time. It's like anti-time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you know, it is what it is. And if people are willing to think differently, not try and balance their life, but maybe misbalance it in the right direction that they're trying to go, uh -huh. magic can happen for sure. It really, it really can. And I, I noticed with your, you know, you touched on that and I'm glad you brought up, you know, that work-life balance, there's something, there's something special about being able to go home to a family and know that they love you and that they're there for you. And that no matter the time that you have to take away, it's only temporary, but there's also the, the flip side. It's like, well, how long is it temporary for? How long does that last for? How long do you have to be away from them for before it's exactly what you wanted? Yeah, it's true. And, you know, some people say, and I don't disagree, but the quantity time is quality time. But I'll tell you this, walking around, especially when my kids were younger, walking around the park with them while I'm playing on my cell phone, working, mm -hmm. um, was less meaningful to them than five or 10 minutes on the trampoline without my cell phone. Oh, I, I, I You know what I'm saying? And, and work-life balance, I think, is a myth because think about something legitimate that's like that's actually balanced. Something that's actually balanced doesn't move. It's balanced. There, there's no one or the other. It's not moving. It's stale and stagnant. So when people say work-life balance, they think, oh, I want more time with my family. But if you really want more time with your family, then spend more time with your family and then do your work in shorter increments of time, which I know you can because we're all workaholics. We're just stretching our workout. <laughs> when we could have gotten one hour of work done, it, you know, we, we do it oh, yeah. because that's the way the man measures us, you know, like. <laughs> well, well, that's it. And I remember, I, I know it was so funny too, because when my, uh, when my husband was running his companies and I came to him with the idea of making jewelry and it was on the kitchen table, he was like, there was no like question to it. It was like, if that makes you happy, we're going to do this. Let's find a way to do it. And then what I realized as I started to grow things and I started my own company and I started to hire people and have this team around me, I went, I can't do five days. I can't do five day work, but mm. that's drunk. But you're drunk. I'm not doing five day work weeks. I'm doing four day work weeks. And even then that's a struggle to come in four days a week because I would so much rather be off doing what I need to be doing with my family. As much as my son sometimes drives me up the wall, there is so much value in watching that curly headed little thing run around <laughs> and destroy my house than, than there is in sitting in an office space, looking at a computer, knowing I could be doing this anytime. I just, yeah, could. this is so good. It's, it's so good. And, you know, again, we are, we're, we're taught to do things in increments of an, in an hour and, and timelines of days, but there's something also called forcing functions, which actually forces you to do things regardless of, of the, of the environment. In other words, the environment forces you to do them in a certain way. Uh, so like with work and things like that, if one says my priority is my family and I'm going to spend more time with them, you will be forced to invent new ways of doing your work to get the same result or better mm. and to have your family in place and stop sacrificing your family to get the work done. But if you don't have that constraint, a positive constraint, then everything just flows into each other and doesn't matter. And there's good days and there's bad days and it's just chaos. So right. it doesn't have to be necessarily calendared, but if the, but it's more of attention prioritization than time management. That's, that's the key. 
I feel like I've just got like a, a full hour of like a life lesson that I didn't even have to pay for. And I feel like my brain is I... broken on a level I can't even describe to you. Like I, could, I could sit much, here and pick much. your brain. No, no, it's not. It's not too much. There's nothing too much about you ever. Nothing too much. Nothing about the way that you live your life. Nothing about the way that the information you put out to the oh. world. If anything, you're going to be the one of the things that saves humanity from itself. And so I don't nice. care what you say. No, it's the truth because there are not enough people out there that are saying you don't have to live for your work. You you can you just don't. You can work to live. You don't it can be the other way. You can find ways around it. And I think that's why my listeners are going to find your episode so valuable is because you show them that it doesn't have to be this 9 to 5 strenuous, you know, see your family once in a while, this old school western way of working and living. You can be who you want to be and live where you want to live if you're willing to look at everything on a flip side. And I think that's what's so beautiful about you. So beautiful about your wife and because it's very obvious to me that you two are very much a team and there was something I saw that I just want to touch on really quickly before I let you go it was about how you look at your wife and how you value and have compassion with your wife and how you value her and how you speak about her Um, that to me that says everything the way you treat the most love you know the loved ones that are closest to you in your life that's everything. It's not what you write. It's not who you write for. It's not who you coach and how you coach or what your Instagram numbers are. What matters is the true, the true outlook you have on your family. And that to me shows the type of person you are. Well, that's, that's so nice of you. And, and yes, she's amazing. She's a thousand times better than me. And, you know, she's on higher ground. I, I think I, I think one of the important things of a marriage is to see each other on, on higher ground. You know, we see each other where we are, and we're also lifting each other up, you know, both, on both mm-hmm. sides. Um, but what's interesting about her is, like, she 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 cares, you know, and, and uh, she mentors me, and, and she can, you know, share where I'm where where I lack whether I whether I like it or not you know but we 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 have this great companionship in that way but I think there really is a difference between loving someone liking someone and respecting someone and I think it's important to have all three and I definitely love like and respect her and so you know we I I I'm not perfect at in any way shape or form but she is <laughs> and, I, right? and, I, and I'm doing everything I can you know to keep up and and just show that I support her too well, and that's and that's that's really all it's about is being there for someone and, and, and giving them what they, they feel they need to be successful in in whatever it is that they want to do. And I've been fortunate enough to have that in my in my partner in my life and in my partner in my business, which is my I husband. I can tell. Yeah. yeah, he's dope as fuck. I love him so much. He's so cool. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. I, I talk so I, I, I talk to so many people like you do, you know, podcasting, interviewing, and then also just coaching, consulting random people. And people uh, most of them are married, you know what I mean? And it's interesting because people feel like they have to be literally on the same page. And when I, I mean like exact same goals and I'm like, no, you know, like you're two different people. I know you're still like, we're all, you know, we're, we're married. I know that. But like, if I'm supporting Natalie in her goals and she's supporting me in my goals, whether they're different crossover or the same, in mm-hmm. that sense, we are on the same page. And this is a different way of thinking. And it's super important. You're like 
like the modern like Hawaiian version of Buddha right now. You're like breaking <laughs> my brain. <laughs> You're like breaking my brain. <laughs> Like, it's well, that's a new one that's a new one for me oh thank you that's a new one for you you don't have the belly i mean you've lost so much weight since i started following you so i'm like i i'm gonna have to come up with a new analogy maybe not the buddha but we'll we'll come up with like something you're that we'll so, call you because so funny oh no God. seriously I dude i i I, you know, Richie, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of time here. I know I got to let you go here, but I just want to tell you like from, from my listeners, from the people that you've, you know, you've impacted just by whether it's a post or a shared post or a book or a meeting you bring, you are in, um, you are a value add, you are incredible and you are what humanity needs the most right now in every sense of the fucking way so, <laughs> so um thank you well no you for... no honestly it, mean, it means the world it means the world I, I really do appreciate that thank you i, I know you do and that's why i say it because i don't just say things <laughs> to say things words have meaning and words have value and the words that you put out to the world shape those around us and to know that it's people like you that are putting those words out it gives me a little bit of hope uh, for humanity considering some of the humanity i've ever seen so um thank you richie so 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 thank much you. for this and uh hopefully one day we'll get a chance to have this conversation again maybe in person i know let's make it happen that'd be cool we'll all hang i'm down bro <laughs> i'm down bro we're gonna call up brian we're gonna have a good time we'll go swimming go. it'll be something and surfing I, I have to learn how to surf but it'll be fine it'll be i want to hear about your husband's inventions you know we can hang out with natalie bro, <laughs> make it bro, happen, make I, it happen. <laughs> my curly headed if my curly headed little man like i took we've taken him to hawaii one time when he was a year and a half and he still talks about mommy when are we going back to hawaii i was like when canada's not so cool. chill out <laughs> right right oh, man. well it's, start, it's well, starting to relax a little bit so maybe sooner than later <laughs> uh fingers crossed my friend fingers crossed well thank you so much richie for coming on this week and uh i will chat with you all later that's good thank you